Lee Barrett, CEO of CanadaFootballChat.com, and you're listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. No Dakota with me today, but I'm joined by a very special guest for you. We have Lee Barrett, the CEO of CanadaFootballChat.com, your source for high school recruiting for the sport of football here in Canada. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Zach. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on uh, on the podcast today. No, this is uh, this is really great because there's so much going on with uh, you know, despite there being no football, there's uh, amazingly a, a ton that we're going to get into. Um, so let's start with kind of the news of the day or the news of, of recently regarding Canada Football Chat. TSN released the rosters for what will now be the second annual Canada Football Chat prospect game on TSN. Uh, talk a little bit about what that process was like given the pandemic and what that's done to sort of alter the way you guys do what you do at Canada Football Chat. Sure, sure. So, I mean, going into year two, you're always looking forward to year two because it's always, uh, you know, after that first year, you can make some some great strides and great improvements and we were on course to do so. So, we had gone through the first phase of, of the tryout and showcase, which was uh, coast to coast uh, between, I think it was November of 2019 and, and the end of January. I think I might have been, uh, we added a, had to add another one in February because we had the, such demand. Um, so we went through the first phase and then we were just about to get into the second phase, which would have been the last two weeks of March. We would have been at, uh, I think, six or seven locations across Canada for the selection camp. And uh, obviously, it's, it was March when uh, when COVID, uh, you know, reared its ugly head in, in this part of the world and and has been with us ever since. So obviously, you, you, we didn't know what exactly was going to go on. So we postponed all the, the March selection camps. We added a lot more value to the players. We did some online training, some online education, etc. And then we were able to reschedule all of those events. So between June 28th in Winnipeg up until uh, we did a second one in Ontario, August, October 6th, I believe, and everywhere else in between, uh, a bunch of locations in uh, August, Quebec, BC, uh, Ontario, and uh, I think we did Saskatchewan early September and Alberta in August. So we, we did a good job. We, you know, we had to adjust how we ran those events. Those events looked more like the NFL combine than the CFL combine, meaning, you know, we didn't do any of the, of the contact drills that you would, would have in, in our event in the past or the CFL combine, how they would do one-on-ones, et cetera. It looked more like the NFL combine where it's all just on air uh, individual stuff, which is still very effective. Obviously, they wouldn't do it at the NFL Combine if, if it wasn't. Um, so through that process, uh, you know, obviously we evaluated. And and um, uh, I guess the only difference in, in the process was, uh, um, you know, 20 minutes of those uh, non-competitive periods, which, again, we can evaluate watching game film. So it wasn't uh, a, a big, big difference. Um, so then... With our partners at TSN, uh, you know, obviously without uh, without a season, without football being played in, in Canada for the most part in, in this uh, balance of the year, we we did uh, still want to announce the rosters, and we thought that was extremely important. That gives those players some some very good uh, exposure. Um, so our team got to work uh, early in October and and compiled the list. And then again, with our partners at TSN, they they wanted to announce it around their uh, their Grey Cup programming, 
which we thought was a great uh, great platform to do so so uh, we probably got the list done sometime in in, in November and uh, again we would have loved to have seen that game played as originally was supposed to may 29th 2020 but uh, unfortunately it's a fictional game but again it still gives those players the exposure that uh, they deserve and and um, so you just got to adjust it to the year so that's what we've done this for uh, the two thousand the second annual as you as you mentioned version of the canadafootballchat.com prospect game and I completely agree. I think just having those names is so meaningful for those players, particularly when there's been a bit of a lack of conversation or news in Canada football at all levels. So just having that to hold on to is no doubt really important for them. Let's go from, as you sort of said, the, the fictional uh, game, the one that hasn't happened to the one that hasn't happened yet of the second edition. Let's go back just over about a year and a half ago to the first one, Ottawa 2019 CFC prospect uh, game on TSN, Farhan Lalji, Dwayne Ford on the on the broadcast. Big step up, may I say, from the Fox Forty Prospect Challenge, which I'm I'm proudly wearing the sweater yeah. of, but where you had me commentating. Yeah. A massive upgrade as far as the media product there. Um, you know, Henry Burris, Matt Dungan as coaches, and just such a showcase of incredible talent. Uh, you know, I don't have a specific direction. I kind of want you to mm-hmm. just go on however you feel about that all coming together because I think that was such an important moment for Canadian football at the amateur level and really just for the state of football where it's at in Canada on whole. What was that like? Yeah, there's lots of directions and thoughts I could take that. I think, first of all, for context, I mean, that was a five-year process to get that game on board. And uh, we're very proud. Our team's proud that we we got to that point. And and to your point, you know, there's never been a prospect game or a high school game on on uh, the sports network on a nationally televised uh, network. So it was a big undertaking and something, you know, just like CFC itself, we wanted to add a professional uh, professionalized aspect to a you know sport that we all love. But uh, and that game just enhanced that even more so. So from it, it actually exceeded our expectations in the fact that it was, you know, we knew TSM would do a professional job, but just the little touches of having Coach Burris and Coach Dunnigan as the head coaches really made it that much more special. Obviously, Dwayne and Farhan, who are, are very uh, integrated in the amateur community, and that reflected in their broadcasts and, and, the, and the prowess that they have in, in calling a game, but just, uh, you know, their knowledge of the players was, was something that we expected, and and working with our team and our team did an outstanding job of, of uh, you know, adding to the production and adding to the information that those people had. So, and then, you know, the th- things that people don't see is the the two days of the, the couple of days of practices that we had and, and the, you know, the quality of the practices was, you know, up there with uh, something you'd see on a university field. And then obviously we had a bunch of Canadian university coaches involved and, and, and their, uh, you know, showing their craft off as far as coaches. So it, it went really well for year one. I, I can't see um, how, how it could have gone better. And, and the quality of the athlete we had was, you know, I think we've had about 12 or 13 kids from that first year already get NCA offers or, or already committed to NCA teams. And then, you know, the balance of them, either some are still waiting for those offers or committed to U sport teams. So, um, 
you know, I think the talents uh, definitely showed off and it's, you know, it's just, there's never been, it's, it's nothing like that in Canada ever been produced. And, and um, so we're pretty proud of that. And, and so we, you know, we're trailblazers for many reasons, but that, that game for sure is, is uh, something we're proud of and, and added to the, the football community that's uh, in Canada. So it's something that we just hope to build on in, in future years. Absolutely. And if that's the sign of things to come, then that's a brilliant thing for, you know, all levels of amateur football here in Canada. Now you talk about being a trailblazer in this field of covering uh, football in Canada at this level. You you and your team have been around pretty much for the entire 2010s. In that period, what are the some of what are some of the bigger changes you've seen in terms of not just the talent in high school, but the way the game's covered, the way that prospects are coveted by different coaches, because it definitely seems from my time being a player back in the early 2010s to kind of looking at it now, it seems like it has definitely grown and no doubt your company's had a big role in that. What are some of the more significant changes if you were going to just point out a few that you've seen in this past decade? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> it was around 11 years ago that we started the, the whole concept, the CFC. Uh, myself and a business partner just sitting in, uh, I think, in our in our apartment in Toronto and, and coming up with the concept and then launching a couple months later, February 10th, 2010. So to your question, what's what's been the evolution? Um, you know, we've definitely been a big part of that evolution. But when we started you know, from a Canadian recruit going to either a Canadian school or American school. First of all, there's a lot more going to American school. And, and we, you know, we've been a part of that. We haven't been the only reason, but we've been a part of that. But as far as from a Canadian context, I mean, when we started the site, people didn't really commit until like June, <laughs> you know, two months for before, not even two months before they were going to show up on a, on a U-Sport campus. And then so what we, by tracking the commitments and covering the commitments and covering and promoting players, so there was an awareness of those players, and then eventually a few years later ranking those players, it definitely sped up the, the recruiting cycle in Canada because there was more of an awareness of, from a player and a coach standpoint. Um, so, and I think, you know, when, when you change a system or, or change things, there's obviously people who are, you know, in the sports world, we're really married to the past, right? And, and everyone's very nostalgic, right? So uh, by us doing what we do, um, not always makes people happy because it loses that nostalgia, right? Uh, or that um, the way it used to be kind of thing. But we would argue that um, because we've always put the player first, um, you know, we, we believe in in um, you know our platform is all about uh, you know advocating for players so we've we've attempted to um, you know impart some knowledge and, and impart some promotion for the kids to empower them in that process because the, the recruiting process can be a power imbalance and not because the adults or the coaches that are recruiting are trying to trying to be it's just that they're knowledgeable and the other people aren't so we, we just tried to impart that knowledge on people and and um so that they have uh you know that they open their eyes to what their choices are what their opportunities are and again kind of changes uh how it was done in the past and, and again the, the nostalgia uh, of the past can be uh something you, you look back and and you you want the past to you know when guys didn't you know 
back 10, 15 years ago, you didn't know if you're a youth sport coach, uh, who you're getting until that first day of training camp, right? Oh, you know, I've heard of stories where guys said, Oh, geez, we got, we got them all. We got all those guys. And, you know, so that's just, that's a big change. So now, so the, the recruiting, the commitments are that whole cycle sped up. Whereas a lot of kids are committed by, you know, December, January, some even sooner than that, right? So if you went on our commitment list today, uh, I think there's over probably 25% of the kids have committed already for this upcoming 2021 class. So I, I think that's a big thing that's changed. Us ranking players and getting better at ranking players as time's gone on has been, uh, uh, again, I think something that's um, put a spotlight on those players and then, and then put a value on those players for lack of a better term but it gets at least those those top end players are um you know teams kind of know or there's an, an idea how good they are and then as the recruiting progresses um you know those are that whole process as far as the player um you know understanding what their value is has helped also what's helped is um now that we do the rankings you know when we started rankings I think there was, I forget, I think maybe 14 players who went to the NCA our first year we did rankings. Now it's almost 40. Uh, again, we're not the only reason, but we're definitely part of that reason that there's been more kids go uh, NCA route from Canada. So the top end players are definitely getting the exposure um, like they haven't before. Part of that's just social media as well. Part of that's the the evolution of huddle h-u-d-l uh kind of that game film so there's been other factors that's made it uh you know back 15 years ago you're probably mailing in a vhs tape to uh coaches across the north america and so the 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 information and and the video that's readily available has has broadened the horizons of of players too um so that that's been a big thing as well. That's I've seen the change in, in our time. And then, you know, when we added events, um, it gave even more opportunity for kids to be promoted, especially the kids that are in, you know, maybe a, a smaller size school or a smaller size league that don't get the exposure of a player from a bigger high school in a city, a city uh, school or, or that. So I think there's, um, you know, it's not all um, apples to apples as far as what promotional different players need to be promoted. So I think from the Fox 40 ch prospect challenge that you've mentioned is a great, you know, it's, we have different, you know, different, um, you know, different events for different people. You know, the TSN game obviously is for the creme de la creme, but the Fox 40 is for that player who, who's kind of at that next level, who's, you know, maybe on the cusp of being a, a top recruit or, or needs to compete against, you know, other people at, at, at a higher level to prove themselves. So I think different events give different opportunities and, and our, the Fox 40 that we ran in Vancouver this year, just before um, everything uh, changed with regards to COVID was one of our best events. And, and we have, we had players from Thunder Bay to, Victoria and all, all in between and there's you know great value in those players playing against one another and uh, you know not only for the friendships that they'll uh, develop but just 
getting that comparison from, you know, small city uh, Alberta or small city uh, Saskatchewan and, and goes and plays and some of the other players that are from big city Vancouver or Calgary or whatever. So there's something to be said about uh, different events at different levels. And when you talk about people wanting to hold on to the past and then you mentioned sending VHS tapes out real quick, I can't really put those two together. <laughs> Just going back to something you said there, why anyone wouldn't want to see what you guys are doing and see the progress that's been brought along. I have to imagine this in this journey that you've had with CFC that there probably went from a point where, you know, people are probably looking at what you're doing and it's like, oh, they're putting together some lists, that's cool, whatever, to eventually people are, as you kind of say, a little bit more on the map people are paying attention to. Uh, is there a phone call you re- you've received or an email from a coach or a football person from some level of football in Canada or in the States that's like, that was the coolest moment for you being like, oh, this person's checking in with me to see about a, a recruit or anything of that manner where you were like, oh, this is we're kind of a big deal now. Do you have a moment where it clicked for you that people were really paying attention? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I listen to podcasts and I get annoyed when people say that's a good question. But uh, <laughs> that one I don't have a good answer to because, um, you know, sometimes you just put your head down and you keep doing things like I can't. Re- I think maybe it'd be a better question for people in our staff that get more of the inquiries that I do now. And now that I'm kind of separated from the, the day-to-day uh, interaction with coaches. Uh, so I haven't interacted with coaches for many, many years. So it's probably a better question for the staff. I can't think of anything offhand that would, you know, I think for us, the obviously the game produced on TSN brought it to a, a different level. I think with regards to when we were ranking players, you know, this first couple years, you know, I'm not sure people paid much attention and, and some of the players included, but I think since, you know, we've been ranking the last three, four, five years, whatever it is that uh, now everyone's engaged, the players included. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a, like a person or, or someone like that who's, who's um, engaged us. And, um, you know, definitely we've been to, events where people are curious about what we do you know whether it be a cfl or nfl person but nothing that's um uh you know i don't i don't remember that crystallizing moment that, <laughs> that you're portraying right there for sure but uh maybe i'll think of some as we as we go on well i i think just for what for what we do i i think and dakota you know can back me up on this or maybe he has a different perspective uh there was a story a while back that uh we had put on Twitter that I think whomever it was on your end retweeted it. And that was for us a big moment there of like, go. Oh, can a football chats retweeting something that yeah. we said, Oh, okay. That, that, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's funny. Sticking with the crossover a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you saw earlier in the year, we were doing on our Instagram, what we called our hometown heroes mm-hmm. series, where we were taking all the players off of their OUA teams, reorganizing them based on where they came with their hometowns and then sort of putting them into the the regional team. So yep. if you're from the GTA, we kind of figured that out yep. with York and U of T, et cetera. Now that sparked a lot of debate, uh, obviously, well, for a number of reasons, but the main reason being, of course, the question of which region in Ontario, and I know you are a national uh, company and you can probably do this for the country, um, the countrywide, but sticking with Ontario from your experience, let's settle this debate. 
and you can be as diplomatic as you want to about it, but I gotta ask, because you are the person who would who would be able to have the most authority on this. Which region in Ontario, whether it's the kind of downtown Toronto area, a place like Burlington, London, Essex region, Kitchener-Waterloo, or Ottawa, the Ottawa Valley, all these places that pump out football talent, which reigns supreme year in, year out from what you've seen over the past decade? Yeah, so... As far as that, I mean, people are very emotionally attached to words like <laughs> Ottawa, Ontario, Nova Scotia, you know, etc. So what we do from a CFC perspective is we just look at where are the best players. We re- erase postal codes, we erase provincial borders, etc. That's how we do it. But to answer your question, and so first of all, we're going to do it in all decades CFC 50. So the CFC 50 is our fifth top 50 high school ranking that we've been doing since 2010, obviously not this year, but so what we're doing is going back, but we're doing it objectively where, you know, we're going back through the last rankings in the last 10 years. So if you're the first place team at the end of the year, you get 10 points. If you're second place, you get nine points. So the top 10 from each year are going to get a point system. So soon coming out on CFC, you're going to see which the top high schools in the last decade from the CFC 50. So to answer that from a national standpoint, you can, you can look out for that coverage going, uh, that'll be uh, out soon. I don't know the answers by the way yet, but. uh, (laughs) Well, you don't want to spoil it anyways on this podcast. (laughs) To answer your question, as far as um, I think what CFC's done very well is promoted that top two or three, 4% of the players in Canada. But what's happening is our base is withering. Uh, when we started at CFC, um, there were 395 varsity high school football teams playing in Ontario. Now there's, as of last year, there was around 270. So that's a huge concern. So I'm going to answer it from that perspective is the region that is doing the best as far as having that base of talent. Uh, there's two regions that stand out, and I'll tell you why in a second, but it's the National Capital Region, the Ottawa Region, and the London Region. Okay. And why is that? Because they have a vibrant, uh, young aged uh, organization. Okay. Let me give you a, a comparison. So the NCAFA, which is the National Capital Amateur Football Association, which was um, comprises of 16 clubs. Okay. And those 16 clubs would have like Pee Wee, Bantam, and younger ages. Okay. And you look at a region like Peel region, Brampton, Mississauga, which has approximately the same amount of population. They have two clubs. Okay, so you can see where, why the national capital region has so much uh, a better base of, of uh, football players. The other region would be London and London minor football. Okay. Um, and I would argue again, um, those regions have done really well because they've focused on that, whereas other regions have focused on playing, you know, maybe all-star games or provincially. And I think there's a place for both, whereas some of those other regions have ignored, not ignored, but just haven't put a focus on that base. And so to answer your question, those two regions, because of the base they have, uh, I think have a, have an upper hand as to, you know, having a vibrant football community, whereas the other regions will yo-yo more uh, having a good year or a lean year because they don't have that base of players. So that would be my assessment. Now, turning ahead to 2021 again, for you know 
all the obvious reasons, of course, we're hoping that things come back to a state where we can be playing football. But looking at the recruiting, the recruiting world, because this is a very odd year for the once again the obvious reasons. But we, we've had a few conversations, Dakota and I, and how this will kind of create a double recruiting class for let's assume we get a 2021 uh, OUA or football just in general in Canada. Um, has that been a conversation at all on your end in terms of how that will affect where recruits go or how many players get brought in? Or, you know, I, I've talked with, I'm, I, I've been talking with people about maybe this is similar to when they got rid of OAC and you kind of had a double recruiting class of the last crop of grade 13s with the first crop of grade 12s. What do you foresee with this, like, I'll call it again, the double recruiting class and what effects that might have? I did have the same conversation with our partners in the States, uh, the tracking football people. And um, I think similar to anyone who's not playing this year. Um, so take away the FBS teams for the most part, but even FCS division two U sport teams are all in the same um, probably scenario where, yeah, you're looking at that double cord. For, so I would say what will happen in the recruiting for this year's class, the 2021 class, is the top players will still get recruited normally, but it'll be player like 700 through 900 who may not. Okay, because, and I've heard this story where, uh, you know, a player that might have usually got like a, I don't know, $1,000 or whatever they give out these days from a university who's not a top, top end player, but he's a good player. Um, what's happening is that player, that team thinks they're a championship team for 2021. And so they're holding out, will that fifth year player come back? Okay, so they're not sure if they have a roster spot for him because they have roster limitations, et cetera. What I would hope is that they get rid of the roster limitations for the year. Um, I hope that they would do that. And from, uh, from an OUA, you know, Canada West, et cetera, RSEQ, AUS perspective, whoever has the roster limitations, if they get rid of that for a year. So I think what you're going to see is the top end kids will still get recruited normally. It'll be, you know, we usually average, I think about 900 players committing to U sport annually. I think it might only be like 700 this year, possibly if they don't take that into consideration where they would open up the, the roster restrictions. So I could see that being an issue um, from a 2021 standpoint. Long-term, I think it'll work itself out, but uh, I think uh, that could be some of the potential issues you'll see in, in this, this upcoming year. Yeah, I have to imagine that if by whatever luck we get, say, spring football with some of these programs between just the, I guess by that point, the over a year hiatus from playing the game and bake into it the just massive competition for all these reasons that you've kind of mentioned on this point of having perhaps expanded rosters and, and more top talent coming in. I have to imagine when football picks up, it's going to be going at an elite clip. I mean, like mostly probably because these guys are just itching to get back on the field and play the game that they absolutely love. Um, so it'll be so fascinating to see how that plays out. Uh, Lisa, we covered a lot of what you've been doing and have on the go at CFC. Uh, anything coming up? You talked about that top 50 of the decade for the high school teams. Anything else uh, for people to keep their eyes open at the website? Yeah, for sure. So that's definitely a, a series you want to keep your eyes out for is the all decade team for the, the CFC 50 uh, top 50 high school rankings. Uh, we also just launched in the last month or so, a, a new enhanced player profile 
um, that we think is outstanding. So if you don't have your profile submitted, uh, you can do so for free. Just go on uh, CFC and submit your profile. And then it displays for everyone to see all your information, etc. If you've gone to one of our events, we'll we'll put in your uh, verified CFC combine results. Um, so that's a big. That took us about nine months to develop with a full-time developer. So it's something we we think it's even brought our website to a whole different level, and and it's uh, it's spectacular. And you want to get your profile on there as early an age as possible. So. Uh, because we can tag all the articles you've been in that can put your, your huddles on there, all your offers, or cons you can say who you're considering. Usually on websites like ours in the States, like Rivals or 247, you just have the offers or the commitments. Well, we've had considerations so that the players can put their considerations on there. And that's not just what the teams are offering, it's what the players are considering. So I think, um, you know, it's been a huge, we've seen a big, uh, increase in our traffic the last couple months and that would be a big reason for that um, obviously we, we want a football season but um, you know we're still because we're so recruiting focused and, and educating people that's something we've also added a, a an online course called the recruiting academy so what we've done over the years is developed a bunch of recruiting tips uh, but what we did is curate that and had some teachers behind it. So if someone wants that even kind of more enhanced uh, level of knowledge about the recruiting process, uh, we have a course that we roll out every few months. So you just have to go on the waiting list for the recruiting academy. And that would, uh, that's something we added and, and it's been uh, very, very effective just giving players and, and parents just that much more knowledge that uh, they otherwise wouldn't have. And, if they don't have all the time to kind of read all the recruiting tips, we can curate it and, and kind of spoon feed it to them. Brilliant. Well, as always, Lee, you and CanadaFootballChat.com trailblazing the way with new and creative ways to cover high school recruiting football here in Canada and have no doubt trailblazed the path for what me and Dakota do, getting able to just be part of the conversation in the way that we are. So thank you so much for what you have done over the past decade supporting amateur football in Canada. And thank you so much for joining me today. That's my pleasure, Zach.